Hey everybody, you've joined me, Kevin Stevenson on I Don't Care with, yeah, me, Kevin Stevenson. Our guest today is Dr. Raj Dash. Raj is a cardiologist uh, from Stanford, so we're up in our game here a little bit, Raj. Uh, you know, really excited to have you on. Uh, but Raj saw a, a problem uh, with care gaps with his patients, and so he and a partner formed a company called Health Pals. So first of all, Raj, welcome to uh, I Don't Care. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, appreciate appreciate the chance to, to tell you what we're doing. Thanks. I appreciate that. So so tell my audience a little bit about the story behind the formation of Health Pals and, and all of that. So I, as you mentioned, I'm a cardiologist. I'm a preventive cardiologist. So I focus uh, on a high-risk population of patients uh, for whom I started a clinic dedicated to their care at Stanford about nine years ago. And the inspiration behind Health Pals really stemmed from, uh, to be frank, my own failures as a clinician and the system's failures really to at scale provide guideline directed therapy to patients. Now the guidelines were written by experts in our field uh, across medicine, and we're supposed to be following those because we know those things work, that they help patients do better long-term, sometimes live longer, uh, certainly may have fewer heart attacks in my field. If you follow those guidelines and yet half the time I was seeing patients not receive that care uh, when they were coming into me uh, for the first time, I was looking at their records saying, why hasn't anyone started you on a cholesterol medicine or a diabetes medicine or a high blood pressure medicine? And they just hadn't been offered those treatments. When I looked broadly across the field of medicine, the RAND Corporation and others had actually published this phenomenon across medical specialties that roughly half the time, evidence-based care is not being delivered to patients. So, so the inspiration behind Health Pals was really this thought. At that time, I felt strongly about it, but it was, uh, it was naive because I didn't understand what it would take to do it. I said, we should have software that should sit on top of our health records and understand that a patient should or should not be given particular treatments at certain times of their care and give that recommendation to doctors in the room and even give those recommendations directly to patients. So that was the inspiration behind forming Health Pals. And at that time, I was very, very lucky to connect with my co-founder, who's a technical co-founder, Sushant uh, Shankar, who, who has a data science and engineering background and uh, know-how to build a platform like this. Uh, I am not that person. And, uh, and that, was <laughs> about, <am> I. <laughs> that was about eight years ago. And um, that's how we got started. That was the inspiration. Okay. So obviously, you know, with you being a cardiologist, I, I'm assuming that it started out in your field, right? Correct. We started in cardiovascular and also metabolic health. So things that are very closely tied to heart disease, like diabetes uh, um, was and lipid management, of course. So yes, correct. Okay, so so how how did Health Pals work in the beginning? I mean, what 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 is your what does your software do? So, well, the inspiration, as I mentioned, was to give the right patient the right treatment at the right time. And what I realized very quickly after embarking on this and spinning this idea out into a company 
um, was that in order to really achieve that, it was a little bit harder, maybe a lot harder than I had thought, because I wanted the engine of Health Pals, which we call Clint. Clint is short for clinical intelligence, but I wanted that engine to be able to look at clinical data the way that I do and that every other doctor does. When we see a lab value for a patient, like a hemoglobin level, um, it's pretty easy to teach an engine that that patient has anemia because you can just set a simple rule. If the hemoglobin is below a certain number, that's an anemic state, this patient has anemia. Not hard. However, in order to make a clinical decision, you need to be able to teach that engine to look at the data and understand why does the patient have anemia? How long have they been diagnosed with it? How have they been managed for that condition? Is it working? Was that the right thing to do from an evidence standpoint? And now, knowing that context, what is the best evidence-based path moving forward for them? So that is a totally different scenario. That's a layer of context on top of the clinical data that is quite different in terms of defining the clinical state of a patient. And, be, and it took us a long time to build that. I would say it took us almost four years to build our best clinical concept maps, which is what we call it, which is being able to go deep into an electronic health record of any patient and identify their clinical state as it may pertain to any disease that we're working with. And so with that though, with that layer, we realized that was where we could start to codify the medical guidelines and show individual patients as well as entire populations of patients who needed certain treatments at certain times. So that was very exciting. And, and with that clinical context layer, which we call the Clint context layer, we were able to repurpose the data for guideline-driven care. And actually now more recently, even clinical research opportunities for patients. Okay. Okay. Well, I, you know, looking at your website, I see that Clint has three different levels. Identify, attracting care. Let's walk us through those. So um, let's start with Clint Care, because I think that's, that's kind of the, the more clinical side of things, which is we are able to partner with a healthcare institution um, and be able to analyze their entire EHR record so for instance, if you're running Epic, Epic Hyperspace, we can actually look at the, the Epic Hyperspace for a single healthcare system, and we can show care gaps, kind of like a checklist for every patient who meets criteria for any treatment at that moment in time across the entire health system. So one way to, to sort of name this is maybe precision population health, but What's key is that each data point in that insight is generated from a single patient within the health system because Clint is operating at the individual patient record on up. And so, so it can give that insight directly integrated into the EHR at the point of care. It can give it through an app or a portal that a patient affiliated with that health system has their own records stored in and they can show patients alerts and it can give administrators or even practice care coordinators or nurses entire rosters of patients who meet criteria for potentially life-saving treatments or services that that healthcare system provides. Okay. All right. So 
what about your what about the other two aspects of this? So, um, and I'll, I'll just add one thing to the clinical care piece is that quality is always a top of mind concern, whether it's Vizient rankings or MIPS and MACRA for Medicare reimbursement. These are also things that we codify for that customized to that institution's own initiatives and can help promote or improve the performance of those health systems on that front. That, so that's the clinic care piece. Um, identify and attract are two other uh, pieces of the Clint solution, which are geared towards clinical trial and clinical trial research uh, operations. And so um, 86% of all clinical trials fail to recruit the patients they've set out to recruit, 86%. And when you look at most phase three clinical trials, the vast majority of the sites that might be participating in that trial fail to recruit even a single patient over the course okay, of their- Okay, why is that? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that sounds just crazy to me. <laughs> yes. So there is a significant um, barrier to EHRs helping clinical research teams find patients for their studies. Um, clinical trials have lots of inclusion and lots of exclusion criteria to be eligible for the trial. Uh, when I run a trial at Stanford, and I currently run two phase three trials at Stanford as faculty, um, I don't get referrals from my colleagues very much. In fact, I can count on one hand the number of patients I've been referred for my trials over my 15-year career. And, and the reason is that my colleagues are very busy, as are most clinicians. They're, they have eight minutes on average in the room with patients. They're going to talk about what's relevant for that day, the chief complaint, so to speak, and, and they may never get to a trial that in that course of discussion, and certainly they're not thinking of that top of mind because it's not their trial. Um, their intentions may be good, and if they do send me a patient, that's great, and I appreciate that. However, they don't know all the inclusion and exclusion criteria, and so invariably those patients fail at some other stage of their assessment by our team on their true eligibility. And so you end up with a very inefficient process where coordinators are pouring over charts manually of every patient that's coming into clinic the next day to try and find individuals who could be eligible. And you still don't even know if they're interested once you find that list. And so, so it's a very inefficient process. Um, and that's one thing that is a major pain point to recruitment for any trial. And if you talk to life science companies, they all struggle with this. There is really a huge pain point across the industry in helping sites identify the right patients within their system. Uh, it takes a long time. It's a manual process, as I said, and there aren't too many levers to pull that are high quality. Um, EHRs have developed their own ways to search through their, their records, but they're pretty rudimentary they end up with a list that's pretty broad and it's still a very inefficient process of going through that list to find who's truly eligible. Clint, because of its ability to capture the patient state, as I mentioned so accurately, can hit every single inclusion exclusion criteria through that assessment process of the EHR. So the patients we surface are truly eligible with a very high degree of accuracy. And now it's just a matter of outreach to those patients to make sure they're interested and then scheduling them for screening. This can cut down the time it takes for a coordinating team 
to identify patients, quint identify um, patients by a factor of 10, like 10 times faster, basically, to find those eligible patients. Now, that's something we call attract because it's really helping the the the, the sites actually attract the patients that are eligible um, into a group that they can then engage for enrollment. Um, now, let's take a one step back from this because the sponsor of that study is spending potentially a billion dollars on that phase three trial and oftentimes failing to hit their recruitment targets. They have to decide of the thousand sites that could be possible sites for their trial, which 100 or 200 or 300 are they going to choose? How many patients are they going to assign to that site? Um, and now with the FDA mandate, there is a huge emphasis on diversity and inclusion and health equity in clinical trials uh, because underrepresented groups in these trials um, uh, means that when the drug makes it to market, it has never even been tested in significant portions of the population, right? So the FDA is now enforcing this and sponsors are on the hook for being, making sure this happens. How do you make that happen? So with Clint, this other piece of what we do called Clint Identify is able to look retrospectively at 300 million patient records across the US. Now this is, this is a de-identified aggregated data set that we also have access to. Um, this is um, going back about 10 years and through a variety of partnerships, Clint has now trained our models on huge amounts of data where we can take the criteria for a trial and we can tell any life science company um, the footprint of that eligible cohort across the U.S. with a fairly high representation, right? We can show at a ZIP3 level where every hotspot of eligible patients may be within the country. And that can correlate with the sites that they were thinking to onboard for their trial and say, yeah, those are good sites for our study. And we can add diversity into that map where we can then say, here's a geo map with, you know, patients which have a higher percentage of Hispanics, for instance, uh, that you've traditionally underrepresented and need to do better in, in your recruitment. Let's maybe shift the sites that we were thinking about a little bit this way and add more patients allocated for that trial to these sites that have larger numbers of eligible Hispanic patients in their systems. And so, so this is where we suddenly provide a lever that wasn't there before to life science companies to actually change the narrative for representation in trials. And that's really what we're, we're really excited about doing. That's really, really interesting. So, so okay. So, so help me understand who your who your clients are. Are they health systems? Are they life science companies? Are they all the above? <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> it, it's a great question, and the answer is yes and yes. So, our first customers um, have been life science companies. They've been very interested in the ability to recruit more effectively to recruit more intelligently in terms of choosing the right sites, choosing um, diverse sites, and even modeling the outcomes that we can model for them for the cohorts they've chosen to see how long are we going to have to run this trial? How big does this trial need to be? We're very accurate in our models of if and when event rates are going to happen. And so, so that's something that they love to see. So that, that was our initial set of clients. 
what we're now doing because of the trial recruitment, the Clint Attract piece of our platform, um, and as I'll mention in a moment, Clint Care, which is the clinical care piece of our platform, is we're engaging heavily with lots and lots of thousands of health systems now, where we're basically forming, uh, showing the value for a trial, right, which is maybe sponsored by a pharmaceutical company, uh, to help that site and that investigator do really well in finding the patients for their study. What we're hearing from them, which is natural, is, hey, if you could do this for one trial, maybe you could do it for all of our trials. And, and that's where we're starting to engage directly with health systems to help them perform at a higher quality, higher level on their tr clinical trial goals. And in parallel, because we started off as a guideline uh, type of company focused on clinical care, we've been partnering with medical societies to bring clinical care guidance to those same health systems where they're looking for help on quality initiatives or just generally improving their diabetes care, improving their heart failure care. And, and, and these are things that appeal to both um, health systems that are traditionally fee-for-service as well as value-based healthcare systems like ACOs because they all have initiatives that they want to do better on and we can help them with a diverse array of, of solutions here. Okay. I, I'm starting to get it now. This is, I'm feeling better about myself. <laughs> so, so from the clinical trial perspective, you know, you're in effect in, please correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're effectively creating a registry of patients for the life science companies through the health systems that you're working with. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Now, okay. What about now? I, I've had some friends who have had children who have had, you know, very rare pediatric cancers. And I find, you know, whatever, you know, somebody has a child that has something, you know, an orphan disease or whatever that, that's really out there, they get really good at research and advocacy. So is there any place in here for the individual to, you know, go in and there and look at potential uh, potential clinical trials? It's a fantastic idea, Kevin. It is something that we want to bring directly to patients to make this accessible, uh, to help them find uh, studies that could be relevant to them and uh, stay tuned. That's something that, um, that you know, uh, in the coming, I was so hoping I came up with a new months. idea, so I might be able to get some equity. I just, you know, looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what we view it as is we are a trusted third party in between the life science company and really ultimately the patients. Now, the patients are getting their care at a health system, and they need, in many cases, uh, most patients want some blessing from their physicians that they should be in a study or that they should get a treatment, right? But there's nothing stopping us from showing guideline-directed recommendations, even to patients. Uh, that's, you know, something we've talked at, at length with the FDA with. There are exemptions when you're showing guideline-directed care to do that all the way down to the patient themselves. Um, clinical trials is, is it just, it's an opportunity, right? And so many patients have struggled with disease uh, just getting diagnosed properly sometimes for rare diseases, but even just common diseases, getting the right information at the right time on how to manage it. Also getting the right information about the trials that they could be interested in, in joining to 
to help not just themselves, but but potentially millions of patients like them. So that's what we hope to be. And that's what we're growing up to be now. It's just, it's a very exciting time for us. Well, and the, I think the reason I asked about that is because I know my friends, you know, they were directed to a number of clinical trials in the beginning by their, their healthcare institution and their, their child didn't qualify. But I know each and every day there's new trials coming out and they were very diligent in that regard and finally found one in California uh, to be able to send their, their child to. And, you know, fortunately that was about, uh, oh, about 17 years ago and their child is doing great. And so, you know, it's just, just a a miracle and a, a blessing from God that, that, that happened. But it, you know, honestly, it was because the parents were very diligent because, because of, you know, the institution said, we've, we've run out of, trials to show you. And so I think that would be, that'd be a wonderful aspect of, of, of health pals to be able to pr- provide. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. That's a really amazing story. And one that we want to see more of in terms of connecting families and connecting patients with, with help. Um, we just, you know, recently completed a recruitment effort with a rare genetic heart disease for, that was affecting children. And our campaign is, is you're, yes, you're trying to identify pediatric patients, but you're really trying to, to identify the parents of those pediatric patients to really help them understand it, raise awareness that, hey, there is a study that this could be relevant for your child. Um, and I know there's a lot of patient, parents out there who are struggling and and would love this kind of help so we're hoping to to bring that uh to that community well i i'm telling you this is this is fascinating i mean this is this is tremendous what you guys are doing to be able to to match everybody up so in the last couple of minutes any last words that you'd like to share with my audience i think that uh well first of all thank you again for having uh, me join you here today and um if there are individuals, organizations out there who have heard something that they're interested in here today with what we do, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly. I'll share uh, my contact information or Dr. Kevin, Kevin already has it. So please um, uh, feel free to, to pass that along. We're hoping to, to grow our footprint of who we can help and how we can help them in terms of clinical trials and clinical care across the country um, as quickly as we can in a scalable way, in a, in a way that software is really helping empower patients and clinicians to give their patients the right treatment at the right time. So, so thank you. That's fantastic. Okay. You're about to get a lot of emails for Josh. I'm just going to tell you right now because I'm about to give you. <laughs> okay. So right. if you have any, any questions and I, and I think you're glad about this. Uh, if you have any questions for Dr. Dash, it's, Rajesh at healthpalsinc.com and their website is healthpals.ai. Way to capitalize on the AI already. Good job. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more of those. And so if you have any questions, uh, those are your two sources. So Dr. Rajesh Dash, it's been great having you on. Thanks for talking about a topic. Like I said before, this is over my skis. 
but I've really learned a lot and I feel a lot better about myself now. I think I know a little bit more about it. And, and so uh, I look forward to hearing more uh, uh, from you guys uh, down the road. I know y'all are going to be incredibly successful with this. And so uh, thanks again for being on. I don't care. Thank you so much, Kevin. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Well, everybody, uh, we've just wrapped up yet another I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.